Before we start today's episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Zencaster, which is a podcaster's best friend. Trust me when I tell you this, Zencaster is like the Shopify for podcasters. It's all you need to get up and running as a podcaster. And the best thing about Zencaster is that you get so much stuff for free. If you are planning to check out the platform, then please show your support for the Founder Thesis podcast by using this link, zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. That's zen.ai slash Founder Thesis. Hi, I am Rahul, founder and CEO of Flowbiz. Wait a minute, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do this. This could be a great intro. Hi, I am Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh and you are listening to the Founder Thesis Podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country. And we want to learn how to build a unicorn. The mega trend for the last 20 years could be best summarized by the statement, software is eating the world. We're betting that the mega trend for the next 20 years would be fintech is eating software this essentially means it is much better to monetize user engagement by taking a fee from commerce related transactions instead of only a subscription fee for example if you are building a competitor to the popular accounting software tally then instead of trying to earn purely by selling a subscription to it you should leverage it to offer fintech solutions like payments and credit this is the reason why investors love companies like Flowbiz, which has raised more than $40 million so far and is the creator of one of the highest rated fintech apps on the app story, My Billbook. My Billbook is used by lakhs of small businesses to manage their invoicing and accounting and is endorsed by one of my favorite Bollywood actors, Manoj Bajpai. This is part two of Akshay's conversation with Rahul Raj, the founder of Flowbiz. In the first part, we heard about the crypto exchange that Rahul started soon after completing his BTEC from IIT Kharagpur. And in this part, he talks about building India's leading fintech platform for small businesses, Flowbiz. I, I want to hear about how, how Flowbiz came about. Like, like, how did you think that this is what we should do? How did you identify the problem? And One thing that we wanted to ensure was that we need not dismantle all that we have created for the last two years or so, which meant retaining the team, which meant making sure we can repurpose a lot of stuff that has been built. Uh, we could leverage a lot of the experience that we have. So that always was running in the back of our minds. What we did was basically lay down the entire India fintech landscape for the first half of 2019. We actually, uh, uh, you know, had some ground rules in how we uh, identified the opportunity to go after. For the three founders, it was uh, something to the effect of saying that, uh, uh, you know, the next opportunity that we go after has to be exciting enough for the three of us that we can confidently commit to each other today. That this is something I will build together with you for the next 10 years. So it had to have that element. Uh, we are a very product first, first principle type of team. So that way we wanted to make sure that whatever we do has to have that angle for product. We also came from, uh, you know, the intent to revolutionize the world when we were building the exchange and working in the blockchain space. We wanted to make sure that we continue to have the opportunity to uh, create massive technological impact. And given that we were at, uh, uh, you know, we were working, working at the exchange, which interfaced with payment processors, banks, looked at regulations, tried to, uh, you know, understand and uh, improve 
existing financial setups into a decentralized world. So your exposure to financial services and fintech industry in general was high. So we had an inclination in the uh, fintech domain also. Clubbing all of this narrowed our focus to uh, laying out the India fintech landscape. One of one other thing was also that uh, you know uh, everyone was looking at India as the next market that uh, uh, you know will offer the largest opportunity, and we understood the Indian customer best. All of us have had humble upbringings, come from middle class, uh, uh, know our people, uh, have been seeing a lot of this development in front of our eyes. So this felt natural and comfortable. So when we did that uh, landscaping effort for uh, about six months in 2019, uh, uh, you know, we looked at a bunch of things: uh, consumers, B two B, you know, from investing to trading to banking to a bunch of things, and uh, ultimately ended up with the small business digitization opportunity uh, because there were recurring themes of pain points that kept on coming up in our research and. We would have spoken with uh, close to 1,000 small businesses back then, spoke with bankers, fintech consultants, consumed as many reports, both public and private, as you could get our hands on. And uh, uh, having all of that info and getting that uh, first-hand perspective actually allowed us to really whiteboard properly to say that this is something that we can actually uh, you know, dedicate the next 10 years. And this is something that is worth pursuing. This will also have massive technological impact because one of the things that kept uh, you know came up in our research was that about uh, less than 20% of the entire msme space had any kind of technological adoption or infusion of uh, tech product which is something that anecdotally you and i can agree also because we deal with so many small businesses in our daily lives so it felt it felt startling that uh, if you look at the aggregate numbers for the MSME sector, we are talking about more than 30% GDP contribution. We are talking about uh, roughly 44 to 45% import-export activity. We are talking about 40 to 42% formal workforce employment. So nearly one half of the economy is run by these guys. And then there is only less than 20% software adoption in a world that is digital in a country that has GST and UPI. So, so it, it just didn't sit right with us. And uh, uh, we felt there is a massive white space. Today, now having worked for the and with the small business sector for uh, uh, you know two and a half years, I can tell you 10 years is less. It will take longer. It will take longer to build for all of the pain points and the needs that the sector has. So uh, uh, I think we took the right call of uh, uh, moving to Flowbiz. We were able to... Uh, Hmm. But but this is like a very large canvas. No, you're saying that MSMEs don't adopt software. So, but software can be for so many things. So, what did you? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, this is a fact that less than twenty percent software adoption was there. But actually, uh, this was not the pain point that uh, uh, you know people were talking about. People were talking about the biggest pain point by far, which was access to capital. Small businesses don't get served with the right credit product. Leave aside right, they don't get served with credit product. Today, we are talking about close to $550 billion worth of credit gap for small businesses with more than 85 nationalized banks and close to 1,000 NBFCs. So if that kind of an infrastructure continues to leave aside and leave behind room for $550 billion worth of credit gap, 
I am pretty sure that uh, uh, you know this needs a very different angle to solve for this pain point. So uh, the angle that we were able to identify was that even though on an aggregate there are policies and there are frameworks and there are objectives to do SME lending and stuff like that, uh, an individual small business unit is not of that much interest. Whether that's because of the risk that they uh, bring with them, whether that's because of not being able to identify the right problem that they are going through so that you can give them the right kind of product, or whether that's the uh, uh, you know fear of not being able to collect all of the uh, debt that gets accumulated and results into NPAs, whether that's cost of acquisition for uh, uh, you know these uh, small merchants. I think there are multiple dimensions to this problem. So we believe that this access to capital problem, which pushes small businesses to go to informal capital markets or debt markets or go to informal money lenders and uh, uh, you know pay two and a half to five times higher interest on getting hold of that same uh, uh, you know credit product it's it's insane because a small business actually puts in their own money and they actually put all of that livelihood at risk to be able to conduct their operations and then you are forcing them to go and access credit product at five times the interest rate that has possibly been the uh, you know benchmark and trademark for uh, regulated institutions uh, uh, we believe that uh, this is the problem of not having streamlined operations and not having the right data which is why this misconception and this discomfort for not being able to serve them so we took the software approach by claiming the historical context of less software adoption and the biggest pain point of access to capital to find that unique proposition that can help both these problem statements because today you may say that SMBs to software use karenge, SMBs ko you can say this and I agree Lekin in 10 years will SMBs continue to be pen and paper based I don't think that is going to be the case and if in tech yeah, yeah even GST is something which forced a lot of SMBs to use Software for the first time, probably. Hmm. If it is in a decade out, this is going to look vastly different. Then we can play our part in getting that trajectory mapped out. Because dedicated software and services like this has not been designed for the business owner in the first place. There exists a bouquet of tailored services for large companies. And there exists a variety of products for the consumers. A lot of these business owners would fall in the consumer bracket. They are getting access and exposure to personal financial products. But that doesn't seem to exist for the small business setup per se. This this felt like a, a massive opportunity to us. Hmm. So did you want to do like software for free and monetize through lending? Like was that the... Coming from CoinEx background, uh, revenue is very important to us, to be honest. We understand the value of uh, compromising revenue and profitability, raise external capital to be able to create traction and uh, growth and uh, uh, you know distribution. We fully well understand that. But uh, we are not the kind of people who would want to leave that aside for the longest time and park it for later to say, Abhi, all that matters is getting customers. That hasn't been the approach. Yeah, but this is a viable approach na, that monetize through lending and give software for free. There are a lot of startups who are 
uh, even Paytm, I mean Paytm, Mobico, all of them have this play basically. Yes, you are right. You are right, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know entrepreneurs are finding their own uh, ways of reaching out to this customer. But if so, one common mistake that people often make uh, regarding the Indian SMBs is that they end up painting them in one color. That's not the approach to go for this market. This is a this is a market of a wide spectrum of customers with very differentiated and nuanced needs. Uh, an agarbatti manufacturer in Gujarat will have a largely different expectation from software and services compared to a pharmacist in Bihar, for example. They have very different needs. So somebody will have to. Uh, uh, you know, tailor these products and ensure that the onboarding is such that it feels not like a massive behavior change because it is very hard to do for this audience, but it feels natural and welcome. So that this is a very fine line, which results into the uh, uh, problem of being able to segment the market properly. So who you go after, what you go after with uh, as a product. Uh, uh, what is your core value offering? Uh, uh, who do you think is going to be the early adopter batch? All of these things become really important stuff to uh, take care of, uh, to be able to you know uh, really look at the business objectively and make sure that you are taking the right steps because uh, the pandemic and the small business sector, if not anything else, has taught me, the other co-founders and the entire team two things very, very strongly. One is the feeling of gratitude that makes you feel, uh, you know, humble because uh, when other things didn't work, these small businesses came to all of our rescue. The other thing is patience. You have to be patient for things to take their own uh, course of time also. No matter how hard you try for, uh, uh, you know, getting a rapid change out. Rapid change can work in consumer trends where there is enough incentive and intent for people to adopt that change on their own because there is so much social pressure, there is so much social example, there are so many people around you doing it. And if it is easy also to the degree where it's something that they can do. But in the small business segment, that's not the case. You have got a variety of uh, complexities. Each business owner conducts their enterprises uh, as per their whims and wishes and as per their understanding. Uh, this has a lot of geographical age, language, type of business, nature of business, scale of business uh, differences that uh, uh, really needs special attention. So uh, that way, I think, you know, when we looked at what were those decisions you took, like, you know, who to target, what is the product, how to roll it out? Like, like tell me about those decisions. Like, sure. Uh, so, you know, the flagship product that we have, at this point, I'll uh, take a quick moment to tell you about the flagship product also. It's called My Bill Book. Even though at Slobis, we are trying to build a neo bank, and uh, uh, the understanding is that by far, if the biggest problem statement is access to capital, then you have to solve for that pain point. So definitely at Slobis, we are trying to build a differentiated and a new age banking experience uh, and financial services experience for these SMBs. But our flagship product is called My Billbook, and the positioning there is pretty straightforward. It is a GST billing and accounting software. So even though there is going to be layer of financial services and banking embedded on top of this, 
it will feel natural it will not feel that you do this disconnected management of accounting in some place inventory in some place transactions in other place banking in some other place and compliance in some other place which just you know all of these components equally critical for uh, a small business to run smoothly and grow and scale but so much of disconnect and so much of uh, uh, you know lack of context between these uh, uh, components it just doesn't make sense to have them in such segregated and uh, disconnected pockets out of or bereft of all context so uh, essentially you decided to build something like a quickbooks or a tally but for smb and with a kind of a ui ux that they don't get intimidated by it. like absolutely that's that's very well put because uh, uh, no matter what business we are talking about across the msme sector invoicing is a central activity and this is an activity that is close to the business owner personally also so if you look at the process of let's just say creating a gst compliant invoice you need 30 to 50 data points and it takes 10 to 15 minutes to get it right especially if you have all the information and calculations handy otherwise you may end up redoing a lot of that uh, uh, you know information punching in and then it consumes even more time on the other hand if you look at the compliant invoice it has got your business details counterparty business details you've got inventory details you've got transaction and banking details uh, you've got any other additional terms and conditions that uh, get laid out on the invoice and particularly uh, you can imagine a b2b uh, invoice so a distributor selling to a retailer for example now uh, the invoice is equally important for both the businesses so uh, invoicing actually automates a lot of the other activities in the business if you are generating the invoices properly the party ledgers are automated up uh, you know automatically the inventory statements are uh, updated automatically so with one single uh, uh, streamlined activity a bunch of these things can get automated and can become actually a super tool or a super power for the business owners to have real visibility to have a better track of uh, uh, their health of the business to have a much better sense of where their business stands and what not this single tally proposition became super important and uh, actually received a uh, great love from the smb customers uh, we are the highest rated play store product in our category uh, across more than 90000 product reviews we are 4.7 so i you know uh, there isn't a product like ours with a better rating to be honest with you this is also a product that was designed not from the accountant point of view but from the business owner's point of view so it uh, actually enables them and having a mobile first approach allows uh, uh, the business owner to have a business in the pocket anytime anywhere and have access where you do you're not just in access of the information but you can take steps and actions on what you want to do with your business so what if let's just say you are awake in the night or partying at a, a friend's place but you remember that you're forgotten to issue the invoice which was supposed to be issued in today's date itself you can do that in your phone mobile app itself just because you remembered it and you're carrying the entire business in your pocket so uh, it actually is very liberating uh, you know because it comes at uh, uh, practically no cost it comes with uh, uh, no expectation of investment in infrastructure like a desktop or a laptop it comes with no expectation of uh, uh, you know for you to know prior accounting and technical know how uh, it doesn't need you to know accounting 
and uh, uh, all of this available in your native tongue so currently we support english hindi gujarati and tamil and in the next uh, six months or so we will add five more languages so uh, you know it, it comes in your uh, native tongue so we were able to supplement the existing behavior and infuse technology that didn't feel out of place which is why uh, you know we received uh, such love and appreciation from the customers and you know uh, between so my will book uh, v1 or the beta was released in january of 2020 and between january of 2020 and last month we have received more than 10000 feature requests so this is an audience that you know will tell you what they want if you were listening properly in most cases they will not tell you that they want a feature they will tell you ye nahi kar pa rahe hain ye kaise hoga sir aapke software mein to ye nahi hai mere ko party ko ye bhejna hai par mil nahi raha hai mere ko kahan milega ye so they will give you instances try to explain try to give you scenarios paint a picture in a real life situation in the business that they are not able to solve with your software or your product and then you have to uh, reverse engineer that problem statement and crystallize that into a feature that can solve that pain so because we have very rewarding journey to work with small businesses to be honest with you if you like to hear stories of founders then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses just search for the founder thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like spotify gana apple podcasts and subscribe to the show tell me about the go to market so you uh, finalized on invoicing as your point of entry to smbs uh, and that invoicing could eventually expand into various other things because then with invoicing inventory bookkeeping and eventually credit also can be solved because you have that data uh, how did you go to market with an invoicing product like uh, and uh, you did not want to give it away free right you wanted it to be a paid product so so tell me about that like the the go to market journey so uh, as i told you the beta was released in january of 2020 and uh, last week of march is when the first national lockdown was put in place so we could not do too much of uh, uh, you know diversified experimentation on gdm the best you could do was run ads which has been the large part of user acquisition for most part of uh, uh, you know these pandemic years that we have all uh, experienced together although uh, we you know without any loss of productivity we shifted to remote work and stuff like that instead of getting discouraged that we cannot scale or distribute the product in uh, a variety of experiments or gdm uh, uh, you know methods we instead focused on getting the product even deeper and even better because i told you january uh, 2020 the first version was released obviously it was far for far far for, uh, from complete and continues to be incomplete even today i don't think that a product is ever complete there is always some or the other thing that you think you know we need to include we need to add modify upgrade what not so uh, uh, it continues to be incomplete even today although today's version is so uh you know so much more powerful so much more packed uh, uh such better experience uh, uh on the product you know something that takes 10 to 15 minutes to create a gst compliant invoice on pen and paper you can do that on my billbook in 4 clicks and 15 seconds and 
and that too in one click you can share that with the counterparty via whatsapp directly so uh, you know the gtm i think because of the pandemic a large part of the acquisition actually happened through uh, digital channels so google facebook ads and stuff like that is this a like a pull product or a push product like are a lot of people searching for this as a problem i won't say lot some definitely but not a lot this is definitely a push product <laughs> businesses are concerned if you save them uh, money or uh, help them make more money that is what uh, uh, they would value the most you cannot go and tell them that here it is uh, uh, you know here is a product that can save you time they've got ample time so, so that way i don't think that uh, an implicit value is something that uh, uh, you know uh, this audience instantly gets and who is to say that it's going to be the same in 2 years 3 years from now okay and uh, what what is the journey of a new user like say he'll see an ad somewhere he'll download the app uh, then what like tell me that journey for the business owner yeah yeah they download the app it is straightforward you put in your mobile number verify it with an otp we ask you a, a few skippable questions like what industry what type of business you are in what city you are in do you have a bst and stuff like that like do you need pan number and all also like pan tan and all? you only ask for bst and that too is skippable so uh, you know you have to actually consciously do all of that so for example you could have chosen to keep it as a mandatory field for getting onboarded but when you put curtailing your own opportunity of even gst registered businesses who are there only to try the product before they can make a choice like to talk all of that uh, uh, you know uh, top of the funnel so uh, uh, skippable questions people can choose to fill in this information and then they are taken to uh, uh interesting interesting story here then they are taken to a screen where they will be shown a variety of different invoice themes and this different invoice themes uh, uh the first screen that they see uh, obviously after the splash screen where we explain a couple of features and on that or value propositions or what the product is do- going to do for them when they go to the invoice uh, uh, theme preview page uh this mimics their existing behavior when they go to a stationery or a print shop to actually purchase a physical billboard they will show them all templates they will show them ye aisa dikh raha hai ye pink color ka hai ye green color ka hai isme aap logo aayega isme aap pe naam aayega iska itna length hai it is landscape or portrait on what not so they go to that experience while purchasing a physical billboard also and then they instruct them ki mere business ke naam se iska दो कॉपी तीन कॉपी प्रिंट करा दीजिए गो थ्रू दैट एक्सपीरियंस ऑफ लुकिंग थ्रू इनवॉइस थीम्स दे सेलेक्ट वन दैट दे लाइक एंड देन वी टेक थ्रू दी जर्नी ऑफ क्रिएटिंग अल इनवॉइस सो देबली फील दैट आई क्लिक दैन आइटम आई क्लिक द पार्टी एंड आई क्लिक जनरेट इनवॉइस एंड देन ही इज अ ब्यूटिफुल पी डी एफ इनवॉइस दैट इज नाउ गेटिंग प्रॉन्टेड टू शेयर वाई आर व्हाट्सएप एंड आई कैन डू दिस फॉर माई बिजनेस इट इज एज सिंपल एज टैपिंग अ फ्यू क्लिक्स we take into that journey and then we tell them here is where you populate your inventory here is where you can populate your parties here is where you can populate your business information and once you have done all of these things you can begin to generate your first professional invoice and when do you ask them to pay the subscription so it's a freemium product on mobile uh, for certain types of features it's free to use including invoicing we don't have a limit on uh, uh, usage of the invoicing activity also we do have limits on let's just say the invoice themes that you can put up or value additional features uh, uh, that are part of other modules on the product so uh, 
so under inventory management so basically for my bill books on my bill you can record sales purchase expense payment in payment out delivery chalan eway bill quotation estimate all of those things and it helps you maintain inventory keep a track of payables and receivables and also it's generated close to 25 business reports including gstr reports that come in handy for decision making and compliance and filings so uh, there is ample avenue to uh, you know create differentiated paywalls depending on what uh, uh, people really want on day to day basis and what we'll have to pay for when it comes to accessing certain nuanced features on the product we have both mobile and desktop uh, on mobile we support android today ios is going to be under development uh, on desktop we have both the web and the offline desktop app uh, but, uh, you know one of its kind when it comes to supporting real time data sync between mobile and desktop interfaces because both of these products run offline so you can create invoices offline on mobile you can create invoices offline on desktop and when both of these products come up we resolve any conflicts that there are when it comes to sequencing and stuff like that or data population and then this gets synced to create a consolidated snapshot on both devices this we support across multiple devices and multiple users so it's a complicated uh, uh, technological challenge when you have to do it both offline and online without any loss of data consistency so so uh, that's not and uh, uh, for advanced features people pay for desktop app people pay for multi business multi company uh, multi user multi device all of these things people pay for uh, certain reports certain deeper features for settings on inventory or party or what not people pay uh, for value added features like uh, uh, you know greeting cards business cards online store and what not people pay for that Uh, for removal of my bill book branding from invoices and stuff like that, people pay for that. So, is your pricing like tiered, like gold, silver, platinum, like that? And and each tier gives you access to certain features. Uh, it begins from eight hundred rupees per year to uh, you know three thousand, four thousand rupees per year, which is an annual upfront subscription charge that we have. We recently rolled out uh, multi-year plans also, so you get uh, you get discounts if you purchase for two years or three years or something like. That. So you know, a lot of people, a lot of people in uh, that we speak with uh, have this question and uh, uh, you know this intrigue because it's a uh, people believe that it's very hard to make money from software, particularly in the SMB space. We believe that people will pay up if you actually are able to establish value with them. and you're able to tell them that this is something of value because this is how it helps you and uh, is an enabler of your growth so that way we are very confident of uh, uh, you know being able to uh, even improve the experience and uh, you know have differentiated pricing add more value to the uh, you know to down to the passe that uh, uh, people pay and i think that is going to be key in how we look at our distribution strategy moving forward also okay okay So currently, uh, how much of your customer acquisition is through paid ads, and how much comes organic? Through organic means like it's a referral, basically. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Organic can mean a bunch of things. Uh, I would say that split would be seventy thirty, sixty five thirty five to that order. Sixty okay, five on which side? Sixty five on the uh, paid acquisition side, and only let's just say thirty five or maybe seventy thirty on the organic. Side. 
but i think you know we need to do a little more work on uh, getting this organic volume up got it okay and what is your uh, conversion funnel like you know how how many monthly signups do you have how many of them become active users and then how many of them become paid users i definitely understand where you're coming from but i will not be able to share these numbers only because how do i put it invoicing is something that everybody will need to offer at some point or the other invoicing is something whether you are offering a online store or whether you are uh, uh, you know offering inventory management only or whether you are offering a course or what not like at at one point or the other you will have to offer invoicing which is why uh, you know this is something that uh, uh, you know we do very well compared to the overall average of the industry because not many people in fact monetize on saas in the first place most of people actually give it away for free we have stopped looking at numbers for uh, you know now three quarters so we stopped looking at uh, our top line numbers which is basically saying downloads and all that matters to us is the bottom of the entire funnel where people end up paying and uh, that is how the entire effort is getting optimized internally as well so you know as far as i know most freemium products have single digit percentage of the paying tier uh, uh, is it it is single digit it is single digit you also so you also have to see that uh, uh, you know uh, it's not it's not a saas product per se as a saas product that we believe like a slack is a saas product and you and i pay for slack because you and i are a very different kind of customer altogether we have very high technology awareness we we are very savvy with tech and we're talking about somebody that asks their son to uh, check how do i see if the message that i have sent has been read or no or how do i create a new group on whatsapp this is the level of tech literacy in the audience that i'm talking about so even though you and i can understand that we are a saas business and what not it doesn't just translate uh, uh, equally well for the audience can you share your uh, like uh, how many users do you have or what is the monthly signups you get or uh, how how is that grown since you launched it like uh we have grown about so basically currently we are at about 1.2 million monthly active businesses and these monthly active businesses create uh, transactions worth 1.2 billion dollars every month so already operating at decent scale uh, although i will tell you that uh, you know we have grown at least on the uh, active merchant base we have grown four to four and a half times this year since january of this year and the idea is to grow five to seven times by the end of 22 but how, how many do you add monthly like uh, the monthly new business we have monthly 1.2 million monthly active businesses right now no uh, addition like how many get added or so uh, this is going to get a little nuanced but uh, and this this may be particular to our business but imagine that uh, you don't have very high intent which is why i said this is a push product even today imagine you don't have very high intent and you've downloaded the app you've tried it also but then you were not incentivized to switch from your pen and paper so this app continues to be there out of mind out of sight and you are a registered user but somehow or the other you come across another ad uh, uh, of my bill book or some other user nudges you to say ki i am a mybillbook user have you tried this app and then this person uh, uh, gets reactivated so we see a long tail of you know uh, people that get active 
that uh, become uh, highly engaged users even in a span of three to six months. The number of new uh, users can range, just to give you a ballpark, although I don't like this, just to give you a ballpark, would be anywhere between 10 to 40,000 per month. And, uh, you know, we want to be able to find newer uh, uh, GTM pathways because now we don't worry about uh, uh, you know, how many installs we are getting. That's not the parameter we track. We are, well, I think, 6.2 or 6.3 million downloads, maybe more as of date. Now, with this kind of a download figure, it doesn't matter if I'm a 10 million uh, uh, download company also or 10 million download product also. What really matters is how many people actually went on to become highly engaged users and how many then actually ended up paying for the product because they were able to identify the value. And this is not something that they can't afford, right? Because if you are talking about an 800 to a 3,000, 4,000 bucks per year price point, this comes to cheaper than a cup of coffee or a cup of tea per day. So, itna to business ke paas paisa hai ki wo ek chai ka dhwam bhar sake par uska software is actually going to help them a lot. So, uh, uh, so that way, I definitely don't think that it's a point of being able to afford or not. It's more of realizing the value and whether that gets communicated the way intended. Mm -hmm. What is your internal target that how many of your active users should be paying? Like, let's say in a couple of years, not immediately, but... Uh, we are also, you know, while I would say we are optimistically realistic, it cannot be a very large proportion that pays, to be honest. Uh, it, will, it will be, a, let's just say, like I'll be super happy if uh, a half of that entire active merchant en ends up paying. But I don't think it will be more than 50% ever. I, I, 50% is massive. The reason I'm saying that 50% is because I'm looking at a 10-year horizon. They may not be paying today, but will they continue to not pay even five years down the line while they are an active, engaged user? I don't think so. At least, you know, maybe we'll try to get as close as possible to get that number to 50%. But even if we are able to take it to, let's just say, a third, that also will be uh, massive. This, we, are, uh, we are also operating in the belly of the market. We don't uh, cater to the long tail of uh, micro businesses. So let's just say a sub 30 lakh, sub 40 lakh type of turnover business. Uh, we tend to not cater to them. They are free to use because it's a freemium product. Some people use also. But we don't tend to focus there. We tend to focus on the businesses that are slightly more mature, slightly more advanced in their uh, uh, enterprise journey. So they understand the value better, which is where, uh, you know, it is an adjusted return of all the efforts we are putting in. What is the market size of this like yeah, you you may have some number no? like there are x number of gst registered companies which would roughly be your market size i guess yeah uh obviously only a fraction of that because large companies would also be gst registered but i can tell you that uh so there is a about 50 to seventy-five thousand new gst registered companies uh, uh come up every month we believe that this is only way to accelerate Government is going to change some uh, uh, benchmarks also for GST or let's just say the expectations of different slabs of compliance for GST. Those those the adjustments will definitely happen. But we are talking about roughly a 50 to 20 million merchant base that is going to be an addressable market. 
this is like with the 30 lakh plus uh, annual turnover and 50 to 20 million uh, target market or addressable market that i talk about this is because some of them would not be ready today they will get ready 3 years down the line but in 3 years the product also will look different than what it is today so the addressable so addressable market may be 15 to 20 million but that is what the total size of the market that we are after today it's only a sliver of 20 mil that we are heavily focused on because what's the point of going to a late majority if you haven't been able to capture a large share of the early adopter itself for example yeah 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 right now you're only targeting early adopters hmm. early adopters the uh, uh, you know slivers of early majority in some sections of uh, msme spectrum those are the ones we are heavily focused on today are you more focused on manufacturing businesses or service businesses or like wh- what is your like what does the product solve better like problems of manufacturers or no, no it's actually it's actually a, a product that works for a large variety of businesses we have been very horizontal so far so it works for distributors wholesalers traders stockists manufacturers services all of these guys and then for retailers also but uh, a larger portion is uh, non retail Non-retail means what? Like, So, it's actually a representation of the industry mix also. For example, there are fewer manufacturers, then slightly more distributors, slightly more wholesalers, then large retailers. So, that industry is going to get represented here also. So, a large part, when I say non-retail, this is wholesalers and distributors and traders. Uh, a significant portion is manufacturers also, but definitely in proportion to the actual industry mix. There is definitely retailers on the product also. But uh, the product works better for distributors today or uh, non-retail people today. And now there is a rapidly emerging category of services and startups that has begun to use my people. So, you know, uh, uh, services, it can include retail outlets also where they are serving, they can include offices also, they can include freelancers and gig workers also. All of those also find a massive use of the product. What is your target like same time next year in terms of your ARR? I don't think the uh, target is ANR, to be honest. I think the target is how many paid companies. Because, because what matters to us is that if, let's just say, I can make a X dollar revenue on SaaS, I can make 10x, 20x dollars on uh, uh, the bouquet of services that can get accompanied with this. We are talking, talking about a high LTV product, right? We are talking about a billing and accounting product that has long stickiness tenures. Because it is not easy to switch between these systems. So if you are able to delight people and uh, get them hooked onto the product, ideally they should they should stick with you for uh, you know a very long period of time. If you are continuing to not prove upon the promise of delivery, so that way uh, the opportunity to monetize via financial services and uh, repeated purchases on these bouquet of value at added services that will be much more compared to the SaaS revenue that they pay upfront once a year. So, so I think it is not so much about getting that revenue out only on SaaS immediately, but this is more about getting that cohort of paid companies as quickly as possible. Those are targets we are chasing. Because if we are able to do that, then, you know, I think you would uh, naturally, uh, uh, you know, understand this, that if in India people pay for something, they want to utilize the maximum value out of it. So by far, the, uh, uh, you know, cohort that behaves the closest to the ideal behavior set, using the product on multiple fronts, trying out different modules, making sure that more and more transactions keep on getting recorded, 
all of that behavior and we have you know industry leading retention and engagement numbers also but that numbers actually are exhibit of this paid user cohort so if we only optimize for scaling that we are able to create that large set of user base to which cross selling and upselling a bunch of these services with confidence is going to be so much more feasible yeah essentially uh, this would become like your prime member like amazon has the prime membership which is a paid membership but the fact that it's a paid membership helps them to sell more because once you pay for a membership then you want to utilize it so so you're looking at that kind of a like a fintech super app kind of a thing where paid members would be would have a higher propensity to spend on other things because they want to recover more value and they are more engaged mm. so so what is the roadmap in terms of the uh, uh, value added uh, stuff that you will sell like like w- what in what sequence do you want to launch uh, what all do you want to launch and in what sequence so uh, on the saas itself we have a bunch of things identified uh, you know there are certain features which are required by a smaller subset of these uh, engaged cohorts but really important for them because imagine uh, shifting your entire business and then because of only a lack of a couple of features you're not able to shift entirely that is excruciating it gets actually pretty irritating so to get that out of the way make sure that uh, nearly everything gets uh, sufficed for this audience uh, that is on the road map there are certain industry specific uh, uh, or at least nature of business specific type of features that have been identified that we need to build uh, then there are slightly more capabilities when it comes to preparing for scale so uh, you know when more people record when more people run offline when more people add more users all of those things we need to prepare for there's a consistent parallel work to be done on pricing experiments so that is a continuing line of activity so there is a bunch of things on saas itself there are also identified features that we are going to build uh on the fintech front i think uh, uh, you know payments collections uh, visibility of uh, bank accounts or visibility of uh, bank balances those things have to be okay, like a api integration with the bank so you can fetch uh, bank transactions and then which will lead to bookkeeping uh, do you offer bookkeeping and like yeah we do offer bookkeeping because you can record sales purchase expense payment made payment out all of that you can do so that way uh, there is a there's already it's already a bookkeeping product hmm. and uh, a return filing also no we don't support return filing today because it is not a double entry bookkeeping system like a tally is what is the difference and so basically you create ledgers and there are a bunch of vouchers that you keep on maintaining as credit and debit to make sure that it's always reconciled on uh, the product that we have which is not a double entry bookkeeping system it is basically recording all sales in one place all purchases in one place and system should be able to identify to say isko debit kar do isko credit kar do but technically double entry bookkeeping ka jo ledger hai wo maintain karne ki zarurat nahi padti hai or you can supply this information to your chartered accountant and they can uh, consume all of this information to then do uh, uh, bookkeeping in tally the way uh, they want to do it which is required for their activity when it comes to compliance filing tds filing and stuff so uh, but it suffices for the actual day to day operations of uh, uh, the small enterprise so that is that is a conscious choice it's not that we can't build it but it's more of a conscious choice because the moment you build a double entry bookkeeping system you are expecting the business owner to know double entry bookkeeping only then they will be able to know it which is a trick for accountants so how can we expect the business owner to use the product that way 
So that's fair. But uh, uh, you know, to be able to record transactions, uh, make and uh, collect payments, uh, to be able to uh, fetch current account, like collect payments in 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 what, like like include a link in the invoice for online payment. So so customer doesn't need to do bank transfer. He can just do like credit card, UPI, etc. Yeah, it's a natural extension, right? You're creating an invoice. Might as well collect payment directly through that invoice sharing activity. So collection of payment, then obviously making payments to your suppliers or your uh, uh you know vendors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like you could ask your vendors to upload invoice here, upload kar do, like something like that. Or uh, inko invoice mila hai, ya inho ne purchase record kiya hai, to us purchase ke against payment bhi kar paaye. So uh, uh, that is payouts. Then obviously visibility and uh, data of current accounts uh, to be fetched in one place with overtime. So what we so you know what actually happens is that there is a real life trade that requires a banking transaction. A banking transaction is not why you are in business. You are actually in business. There is a real life trade that happens, and then you do a banking transaction to complete and consummate that uh, uh, real life trade. So. Hmm. Will you be able to fetch uh, bank transactions even from like the old school? Like obviously, ICICI kind of banks will have API integration uh, being offered. But what about say an old school bank, uh, like a you know public sector bank, which is not so tech savvy? I agree with you completely, and I think uh, uh, it's definitely a challenge worth solving. It's not that it's not doable. This is doable in uh, some or the other format, which is. Suboptimal today, but over time it's not going to be the case. Let's just say when account aggregators kick in and there is wider adoption, then maybe this is a uh, no problem. What is account aggregator? Account aggregator is basically a framework that creates two levels of institutions: a financial information provider and a financial information user. And with the consent of the end consumer, you can fetch records of some other financial institution. that is required for this consumer to provide to access the service that you are providing to them hmm. like a, a loan company asking for bank statement yes exactly a loan company asking for a bank statement and uh, uh, you can give the explicit permission as a consumer that a hey, loan company take this from my bank and give me the loan but i don't need to manually download email to you and then you respond and ask for verification that need not happen So when these kinds of frameworks get kicked in, then this is on the horizon. Like like uh, is RBI account aggregators uh, already went live this year, but I think there is limited use case and limited participants right now. This can extend and expand very quickly. Yeah, yeah, this would be a game changer. Like uh, probably for businesses as big a game changer as UPI. I'm guessing, like in terms of the absolutely, and not just for businesses. This is this is actually in our bid. So basically, the regulator is thinking about this from the point of view that these regulated institutions are already tasked with the objective of maintaining data sanctity and privacy. Why is the customer experiencing this hurdle over and over again to get their own records and supply their own records, and still it is an inconsistent, broken experience for the consumer? So leave aside businesses. Think about you and I. When we are applying for uh, uh, you know loans, when we are applying for other financial instruments, when we are looking at creating newer accounts for trading and investment and whatnot, when we are looking at uh, uh, you know filing our uh, uh, returns or filing our paperwork for several purposes, we are expected to do this us or to do to do this ourselves. Only, but 
if in large part your data is already with trustworthy institutions why not create a data sharing mechanism that that controls the access and uh, you know time bound visibility of that data point serves the purpose and then you retract that information back and maintain that privacy which is what the entire principle of account aggregator is like so you can time bound uh, access to your data get the purpose solved and then retract that information back so it gets localized but still universally accessible yeah this this sounds like uh, i mean sounds pretty amazing i hope it comes into like full fledged mode soon it's already live it's already live and i'm pretty sure it's going to be amazing going to be awesome so but uh, what are the uh, stuff that you want to cross sell to people like do you want to sell insurance or like like uh, what is the roadmap on that cross selling this optionality bracket i think whatever you pick you will somehow or the other find a relevant use case for that what we are going to actually do is something that we have done for the last two and a half years on the saas front also is listen to the customer and see the largest part of our works what and then sequence it out it's not that we don't have openness to sell a bouquet of financial services but if let's just say a financial service abc is only required by 2% of my audience i don't think it would be effort because there are so many more things that you know as a core piece of the business would want to own and operate so if the larger profit and revenue pools would be obviously getting uh, you know bigger priority and uh, this is going to warrant so much of innovation as well right because uh, how much of a contextualization level can you bring to accessing financial services so if you are a retailer and i am a distributor and i am looking at expanding to a new go down versus you are looking at restocking five products you and i need very different uh, credit products you need a line of credit or need a working capital solution and i need a term loan because i am looking at a new construction altogether will the system be able to identify that this is the need of the customer at this point of time so give them the right product if that is possible then we have practically redefined how financial services get served in the first place you would uh... and like you would obviously not give the funding from your own balance sheet right you'd probably tie up with banks and nbfcs and uh help them to extend the loan and you would do the underwriting something that that would be the approach right if we do underwriting then obviously we will want to take away a portion of that uh, revenue share because we are taking that underwriting uh, uh responsibility and i think uh, uh you know if we are to actually become a neo bank some time or the other we will have to cross that bow, uh, boundary where we work with banks only as partners and begin to look at you become an nbfc yourself exactly what more uh, of a revenue share can be available and accessible for our business as well because we seek at the intersection of data usage behavior financial health financial uh, uh, you know attitude and aptitude of the user Uh, we look at real-time needs, real-time uh, uh, sense of where the business stands, and we'll be able to coalesce all of that into a mechanism that can serve financial products at practically zero cost because we have already gotten them onto a product that is digitally accessible. Right. Okay. Have you already applied for an NBFC license, or you'll do that at all? No, we have. 
I think there is so much work on SaaS to be done that I think those things are a little, uh, uh, you know, out there. Maybe a year away. Yeah, maybe like that. Because, uh, uh, you know, the credit gap or the credit opportunity is not something that will slip away. The SaaS bit is that much more important. The one to go to market strongly, the one to go to uh, the right kind of audience properly and in a, in a time-bound manner is going to actually uh, extract the uh, uh, juice of this uh, much quicker and much better other participants. So you, you said you want to be a neo bank. Are you also looking to do like opening of bank accounts uh, or is it only from the credit side? Like Credit obviously is uh, a more obvious one. But uh, uh, if there is possibility and need, I don't think that, you know, this is going to be something that is going to be immediately required because the kind of businesses that we work with, they already have bank accounts. And they already have bank accounts. So it's not about giving them a current account just for the sake of giving them a current account. In fact, that adds, adds you know, that, that is added complexity and hassle for them to maintain another bank account. The promise of being digital first, while all of their other network participants already are in the know of the existing bank accounts at this uh, SMB maintains. So that way, I think uh, uh, if this is going to be a required for newer businesses, let's just say somebody opening up a business for the first time and they need a new current account also, why not? Existing user, just because we want to give them a current account, I don't think so. If they begin to ask for a MyBillBook current account because they think it can power and actually take away hassle from their existing operations, then they will not shy away also. So, yeah, uh, uh, you know, when you search for buy billbook, Google gives those uh, suggested results. Now, one of them I saw interestingly was buy billbook versus Vyapar. And I just thought I'll ask you directly, what is the difference? <laughs> uh, Vyapar comes close. Vyapar comes close as a product and a competition. They have been around uh, at least two, two and a half years uh, before us uh, in the same sector, in the same segment, offering a similar product. But uh, with as much humility as I can, uh, I would like to tell you that we are a way more superior product. The robustness, the ease of use, the uh, scalability, the uh, delight that it feels, you know, something that is rough around the edges versus something that feels polished and, uh, you know, closer to uh, perfection. That difference you would definitely feel. So you, you're an iPhone versus an Android like I, I think that's that's an unfair comparison Android is also I'm a big fan of Android although I do have an iPhone uh, uh, I, I am an iOS user but I am a big fan of Android as well I think it is more about the uh, uh, you know feel that you get on the outside and you know how it feels for something that is polished versus, versus something that is you know it gets the job done but it is not as delightful I think that is the kind of comparison I'm trying to draw Okay, so you focus more on the UX, like like UX is a big priority for you to solve. UX is a massive, massive component because you're talking about an audience that is uninitiated. To get them to get them uh, online for the first time, you need to actually blow their minds away. On the other front, I think there are certain capabilities on the product like data sync, data, uh, or, you know, uh, uh, sanctity across devices, users and whatnot that uh, we also offer. There is a bunch of value-added features with constant updates that we keep on uh, uh, giving out. And uh, 
we have already surpassed them in uh, uh, all metrics, including uh, scale, size, engagement, retention, uh, revenue, uh, all of that. We have already surpassed them on all of these metrics. So when somebody asks me about competition, I fondly say uh, the biggest competition is pen and paper and nobody else. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just keep on doing what you do best because this market is huge. And uh, if you continue to focus on the customer, I think you automatically blur out everything else that is noise. So uh, how do you build a product with great UX? Uh, is one of the co-founders like a UX specialist and focusing dedicatedly on that or, you know, like... All three of us are actually. And UX does not mean only product. When somebody clicks on that call button to get support, is the call answered within a couple of seconds? And when the person picks up, does the person say, hello, sir, how is your day going? How can I help you today? We are here to assist you no matter what the issue is. And then the query resolved within, let's just say, a couple of minutes. Well, when somebody, let's just say, gives a feature request, do we courteously tell them that this is something on the roadmap and you will have to wait for three months? Or do we say this is not something that we are going to build just because you are asking for it? There are going to be a variety of dimensions that result into great UX. One of them, obviously, as a tangible interface that you interact with is going to be the product also. But then it is so subtle as to say, what is the copy that goes there? What is the language of the notification that you send to the customer? When you run a contest, what will you optimize for? Or when you run a challenge or let's just say a, a lucky draw, how do you put this forward? What colors do you use? What is that, uh, uh, you know, look and feel for communication? Uh, what is that value of the customer in all your, uh, uh, you know, press releases and communications? Uh, a universe of that uh, uh, ends up becoming UX. So all three of us are, uh, you know, uh, I would say UX focused, whether that's Aditya leading sales or whether that's Rakesh leading engineering or product or whether that's me in marketing and communications. I think all of these dimensions put together, create and deliver great UX. And we will continue to strive to our level best to make this so out of reach for competition that it is, that it will end up becoming a moonshot. That, you know, uh, or do I aspire to become a MyBill book? And I think that is what uh, our aspiration to stands at. So uh, you've done some experiments with celebrity marketing. No? Uh, what's been your uh, learning from that? Does it work? What In what way does it help? And... It's recent because we have on and off worked with uh, micro and nano and social media influencers to uh, test. Work with a YouTube influencer, work with an Instagram influencer, uh, work with, uh, let's just say, a, a Facebook community or whatnot. With those kinds of smaller experiments we have been doing since uh, I would say summer of 2020. So we've been doing it uh, since then. But the first major branding push for the uh, product and the company came after uh, uh, the Series B round when we onboarded Manoj Vajpayee as the brand ambassador for uh, my billbook. And the, the simple reason, you know, I would say there are two, three parts, but uh, all of them very simple and straightforward. You need to be able to win this audience trust. It's it's massively important. Today, it may not be, uh, you know, as critical because today we are only selling, let's just say, a digital interface and a software product. But tomorrow you want to bank with them. Tomorrow you want to be able to serve them financial products and services. That trust is going to go a long way in how they perceive what you offer and the ability to 
penetrate when you cross sell so that trust is massively important uh it is also you know a sense of being able to relate with them they should not feel uh so for you know just to give you an example you cannot go to a small business and tell them hum batate hain business kaise karna hai aapko you cannot do that they, they will turn you down they these small business owners i think are you know some of the smartest entrepreneurs that we have they understand jugaad and street smartness like nobody else they are survivors absolutely and uh, you know they are warriors and and they understand uh, the tricks and tips of uh, and nuances of their trades better than anybody else you can't you can't have that tone with them you can't go and tell them i'll tell you how to do this but you can definitely go and tell them that you know uh, you are doing an amazing job we are grateful for you know the service that you provide in your capacity as a business owner you are creating jobs and contributing to the economy here we are willing to help you will you let us uh, uh, you know help in your endeavor and if you take that tone then that goes a really long way so that way uh, you know i think uh, that element of relatability will not come by you uh, let's just say creating a propaganda for uh, uh, what you are doing this has to be deep seated and deep rooted that is the single reason why you know a self made a list uh, uh, you know a uh, bollywood celebrity like manoj vajpay that resonates with majorly male population that we have in the msme sector that to is bracket that we cater to which is slightly on the younger side not too old ideal fit Uh, do you have any data on uh, effectiveness like you know did it increase there is definitely there is definitely uptick there is definitely uptick for its early because branding to this audience uh branding in general is a long term activity like you can't you can't create a brand with let's just say one campaign so that obviously it's a, it's a long term activity you also uh, you know find it proportional to uh, the investment that you make here so as a young company with you know uh, just fresh capital infusion obviously we can't go overboard with how much we can pump in there we have to maintain a delicate balance between actually delivering value and that is why my point of let's just say taking 50% on organic uh, uh, acquisition right so how do you do in smart and uh, uh, cost optimal ways is something that we continuously uh, strive to work towards but making sure that you don't lose aggression so uh, you know I, i get a feeling that in the next 12 to 18 months i'll be reading about your unicorn round <laughs> i'm uh, i'm honored that you think that way uh, only after this one conversation that we have had uh, uh it's not so much of a unicorn status per se but this is more to say that people really need to identify that there is really magical stuff happening at flowbiz we are we are so excited about the future we are just so uh, energized by all the development that is happening and the way we look at this is this is not a business that you are only doing for the fun of doing business this has impact this has impact on millions of lives this has let's just say the upgradation of livelihoods because in most cases these small entrepreneurs are practically the sole breadwinners of their family so if what you do whether that software or service or access to capital if because of what you have to offer their take home increases from x to 2x 
and that results into a two wheeler to four wheeler a fan to ac and a uh, you know a child uh, not going to school to going to school or let's just say being able to save for university i think that is massive that is massive so uh, as much mission driven as we can get and making that the cornerstone of how we build this entire organization i think less of a unicorn status and more of a recognition and value for uh, uh, all the effort that we are putting in and partnership basically uh, whether that's capital infusion or whether that's working uh, with us to co-create products or helping us spread the message across no matter what kind of support and uh, uh, collaboration we get all of that is going to be more than welcome in uh, our journey of uh, uh, taking flowbiz and my pillbook from where it is today to becoming the de facto product and bouquet of services that becomes true enabler of smb growth in india i think that is what we are uh, uh, you know aspiring for if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m . i n for a complete list of all our shows before we end the episode i want to share a bit about my journey as a podcaster I started podcasting in 2020 and in the last 2 years I've had the opportunity to interview more than 250 founders who are shaping India's future across sectors. If you also want to speak to the best minds in your field and build an enviable network, then you must consider becoming a podcaster. And the first step to becoming a podcaster starts with Zencaster, which takes care of all the nuts and bolts of podcasting. from remote recording to editing to distribution and finally monetization if you are planning to check out the platform then please show your support for the founder thesis podcast by using this link zen.ai/founderthesis that's zen.ai/founderthesis